So in this series, we've looked at we live in combination with Christ. Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Last week, we looked at we live in combination with one another. As a body of Christ, we work together, we serve Christ together. Today, we're going to learn that we are in partnership with grace. We are in partnership with grace in a life of combination. And what the, uh, as we look at 1 Corinthians, I want to give you a brief overview. 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written around A.D. 54 during the third missionary journey of the Apostle. It's a Gentile Christian audience primarily. And the purpose was to deal with several problems in the church. They had a lot of them. But when we come to chapter 15, we come to the third largest chapter in the New Testament. What we also find here is really the heart of the apostle. Verses 1 through 4, we learn that salvation has a historical uh, significance to it. I would remind you of the gospel that we preached to you, which we received, and now you stand. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to Scripture. That is, Christ's ministry and death was historical. Verses 5 through 7, he made appearances to his disciples and ultimately to over 500 witnesses of the resurrection of Christ. And then we get to a section which I'm going to read to you and I think is very telling. Now this is the Apostle Paul who wrote a majority of the New Testament in verse 8. Last of all, this is the uh, Jesus Christ appearing, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Untimely born is a, is a way of saying stillborn. The Apostle Paul knew where he was spiritually when he says, lastly, last of all, as to me, one stillborn, he appeared also to me. And listen to what Paul says. He's sharing his heart here. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. When you look at chapter 15, you realize that even though the church had problems, the apostle Paul now really wants to share his heart with the, with the church. And what he says this morning is that grace alone, grace alone, brings new status grace alone now notice what he writes here but by the grace of God that word grace is the word charis which means the unmerited favor of God and and I did a, a, a search on these on the words this week in, in, in secular Greek it referred to being joyful or delightful or pleasing in Hellenism the word refers to a favor shown by a ruler. When we come to the New Testament and the Apostle Paul uses, I think both of these ideas are present. Not only is it something that is given by a ruler, which is God the ruler, but it is also something that brings joy. But beyond that, the word refers to a divine act of God. 
It is a free act of God. It is not something God had to do, but he wanted to do because he loved his creation. I got to remind us this morning, I think it's important. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. The Apostle Paul has just said, I am the least. I do not deserve any of this because, and I think Paul here in a very um, personal way is saying, look, I carry what I did in the past, even though it falls under the grace of God. And the Apostle Paul realized, I breathed out threats against the church. I was not with the other, the other disciples. I was breathing out. I was killing Christians. I was carrying in my hand letters to put them to death. And so the Apostle Paul starts, but by the grace of God. I want to remind the church this morning that you cannot get to Christ or to heaven based on good works. It doesn't work. In, in fact, you can't get there. You have been saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. I like what Pastor Newt Larson said. Grace involves no earning by ourselves. It is God alone. Grace has been defined as the unmerited favor of God, and that is accurate. We deserve nothing. So there's nothing we can bring to the table. There is nothing we can give to God that would warrant his favor. There is nothing in this world that we can do. As far as trying to get the favor of God, it is a gift. It is a gift that is given to us. You can't work for it. You don't earn it. And therefore, it, it brings so much joy to the heart of God to be able to do that. But Paul says not only about the defining grace, but the status. He says simply, I am what I am. I don't know, when I went back and I studied this, this week, I, I kind of migrated back to when Moses had the burning bush experience with God. And God says, Moses, take off your sandals for the feet where the place you are standing is, is holy ground. And so Moses takes off his sandals and God tells him, I want you to go to the house of Pharaoh and I want you to tell them to release my people. And, and Moses is stumbling around and he says, Lord, um, who do I say sent me? And God said this, I am who I am. I am is the, he is the Greek word for ami, which means, this is awesome, means to possess certain characteristics. So Paul has just said here, by the grace of God, these characteristics that God gave me freely, openly, based on my faith in him, he gave them to me. I am now what I am. I have in me the characteristics of God. I am connected with the great I am of the Old Testament. I am connected to the blood of Christ who saved me and paid for my sin in full, done away with. This is I am who I am. That's it. There's nothing else in Paul's life. He believes with all of his heart that the only reason his heart 
beats is because of God. That is it. There is nothing else. And like I said earlier, the Apostle Paul breathing out threats against the church on the road to Damascus, he runs in to a risen Savior. Paul, Paul, or actually he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then he was blinded. And from there, God took him. Had nothing to do, actually, and I know Paul says, you know, I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I was trained better than anybody, and I could have brought anything to God, but God didn't want that. Because his religion was killing his own people. But when God forced him to the ground, the Apostle Paul had a change in his heart and had nothing to do with what Paul could bring to the table. It had everything to do with what God did inwardly. And so we read these words again. Last of all, as to one who is untimely born, he appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. From there, the Apostle Paul spent three years in the wilderness developing the I am statement. I am what I am. You know, you are what you are today by the grace of God. When I think about my life, and think about what could have been outside of Jesus Christ, it kind of terrifies me. It is only, and I can agree with the Apostle Paul this morning, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That should be all of our lives. We should realize that anything that we have, hope to be, will be, should be, is all wrapped in the grace of God. You are who you are by the grace of God and by nothing else. And the Apostle Paul so masterfully and wonderfully just shares his heart with us. By the grace of God, I am what I am. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that would exclude boasting. Anything that I could possibly bring to the table. Now this grace also leads to this. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know this by heart, probably, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. It is possible when you come to saving faith, in Christ. It's not just that God makes you over. He, as we learned last week in Philippians, he begins a good work, a new work. Your life is gone. And the Apostle Paul is still, I think, dealing with some guilt when he says, I don't deserve this because I was killing the church. And, but God, I want you to understand that when you came to Jesus Christ by faith, it, it, it was wiped out. 
You're new. You're brand new. Your whole inside changes. Your whole attitude. We can talk about what Paul writes in, in Colossians. Therefore, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. It's a radical change. It completely changes us. And it should. Which is what he'll drive towards here in just a minute. Let me, let me just say this. Salvation. Salvation has effects. And the Apostle Paul is demonstrating the fact that it had affected him. He realized, nothing I could do. The new status comes by the grace of God and by the grace of God alone. Paul says that should motivate us. This is a big question. This is a big question. Now notice what he writes in 10b. And his grace towards me was not in vain. The word vain is kenos in the Greek. And this is what it, if I put it in a sentence like this, maybe it maybe expands the meaning of a sentence. And his grace towards me was not without result. The big question here is, is it possible that God's grace is in vain. Well, my short answer would be yes. If you look at 1 Corinthians, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. And when I say that when you truly trust in Jesus Christ, it's not in vain. But there are some who may have not really received it. It may look like they've received it outwardly, but the Apostle Paul says his grace towards me was not in vain. Theologically, you could flip that and say that there's a possibility that you may have received the grace of God, not really received it, and therefore it did not take effect in your life. 2 Corinthians 6.1, working together with him. Then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. This is the Apostle Paul. And then there's this. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, without effect? If indeed it was without effect. Some people, and I get it, some people, and you know I believe once saved, always saved. I'm not talking against that. I, I, I want you to see where I'm driving at here. When the Apostle Paul said, and the grace towards me was not in vain, he was saying that the grace of God had an effect in my life. And, and I wonder, I just wonder here for a second, when people have that emotional moment, oh, yes. I need Jesus, and they may even sob at the altar, and they get down, and the pastor sits here and prays with them the sinner's prayer, and we, then we get up and we go, praise God, they receive Jesus Christ, and we'll baptize them soon after that. So it's 
following Jesus in baptism. And then, and I've seen this in almost 30 years of ministry now. I've seen this. People pray the sinner's prayer and you never see them again. You look at their daily lives and you see no evidence of Jesus Christ in their lives. Did they receive the grace of God in vain? In other words, did they ever really know it? Did they really ever receive it? If there's no fruit in your life, if there is absolutely no fruit in your life where you do not desire the things of God, where you do, uh, you do not desire to go to church, you do not desire to be involved, you do not desire to tell others about Christ, you do not do this, that, and the other, which is something that happens when somebody has been driven to the ground and received Jesus Christ. If there's nothing like that going on in your heart and there's no evidence of fruit, then brothers and sisters, you may not have the root. It is quite possible that all you have is an emotional experience on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Tuesday whenever you said supposedly you trusted in Jesus Christ. It is impossible. I realize that we struggle, but it is impossible to walk away from the cross the same way in which you came. It is impossible. It is absolutely impossible. The Apostle Paul says here, and the grace towards me was not in vain. Now, true salvation, true salvation, when somebody truly trusts in Christ, it changes their heart. It doesn't mean it happens overnight. But I've, I've seen people that supposedly trusted in Christ and haven't seen any spiritual fruit in their life at all. And it begs the question, have you truly trusted in Christ? Now, I'm not saying this is based on works. Far be it from me to ever say that. We do not work for our salvation. We work because of our salvation. Those are two different, two different areas. A second question. See, Apostle Paul says here, and his grace towards me was not in vain. Of course it wasn't. He's already opened up in verse 8 and 9. I don't deserve it. Look what I was doing. But God changed his life. Now to follow that up, to show that God's grace was not in vain, the question begs now, are there degrees of service? Now, I read a lot of scholars this week. The ones that disagreed with me, I threw out. <laughs> um, he says here in verse 10b, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Any of who? Any of the ones already mentioned in, verse, in chapter 15? Cephas, the 12, the 500. Paul says, I worked harder than anybody. You see that? You see his argument here? On the contrary, I worked harder than anyone. So that leaves the question, was the Apostle Paul bragging? Was the Apostle Paul bragging? Look, I received Christ and now I work harder than anybody. No, I think what the Apostle Paul is making a point here is that his grace to me was not in vain and my life shows it. Do you catch that? When you trust Jesus Christ, 
it does change you. Now, it may take a while, I get that, and you may spit and sputter in your Christian walk initially, but brothers and sisters, over a long term, if you, if you have Jesus Christ, you will desire the things of God. Again, Jesus said you'll know them by your fruit. The Apostle Paul gives us Galatians fruit. Love, joy, patience, peace. All those things are part of the fruit. Alan Johnson, I think, is right. Paul's sense of the awesome generosity of God's dealing with him, though he is totally undeserving. This grace, however, was not wasted on the Apostle Paul, but became effectual to energize his labors and sufferings beyond the other apostles. So in other words, I, you know what I think, and this is, this is me thinking. This is me thinking out loud for you. Have you ever noticed people who are radically saved that are radically living for Jesus? It shouldn't be that way. Every salvation is a radical change. But when I look at the Apostle Paul, he was gung-ho. Gung-ho, and here I go. I'm going to destroy the church of God. And when he gets saved, it's a radical conversion. The Apostle Paul is on fire for Jesus. I don't think Paul's bragging here because the Apostle Paul says in, ever, in, in other places, uh, I, I will brag on nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I think what the Apostle Paul is saying, if you want an evidence of a life that was changed, look at me. So yeah, we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God gives spiritual gifts. Did you know that? Everybody in here, every Christian that's ever been born again has a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit gives that gift to the church to fill out the body of Christ. We also know, we also know that not everyone in the church uses their gifts. In fact, when you look at uh, ministry placement teams across America this morning, they would, they would kill to have more workers. So we know that not everybody is using their gifts. We also know, as fact, that some people work a lot harder than other people in the church. Let me say this, and I don't want to sound like pack your bags, we're going on a guilt trip, but I want to say this. And I think it's probably accurate. Serving is a good indicator of one's, one's commitment to Christ. Is that a fair assumption? I think it is. You know, when I first got saved, and I use my, my own self, when I first got saved, I went to Sunday school and church, not because I understood everything, but because I wanted to learn everything. And some of the idiotic questions I used to ask my Sunday school teacher when Audrey and I were first dating, I know probably irritated him. But you know what happened? You know what happened to me? As I went to Sunday school, and I went to church, and I started listening to other believers. 
do you know what happened to me? God began to grow me up. Now, I get it. There's, there's some days, you know, I just don't want to do it. I get that. But that should not be the life of a person supposedly who had received the grace of God. The heart should be, you know, I want to go. I want to be in Sunday school. I, I, I want to work at the church. I want to do these things. Not because, not because you have to. Or not because some pastor or somebody's browbeating you into doing these things. You do them because you want to. You don't work to keep your salvation. You work because of your salvation. Two different, two totally different tracks. The first track says, I'm scared to death that I'm going to lose my salvation. The second one says, I know I can't lose my salvation because the grace of God has permeated my heart and now I want to serve Him. Big difference. Big difference. Huge difference. Just, I, and you know what? Again, as I, as I thought about this and as I think about it, do you know legalists usually burn themselves out? They usually set the bar so high they eventually can't get over it themselves. And by the way, there's only one that could get over every bar. You know who that was? You know it. It was Jesus Christ. We can't do that. Lastly, we live in combination with Christ. Now, this is the second time, and this is in 1 Corinthians. We saw this already. The, and then Paul, Paul kind of reels it back here. He said, the grace of God to me was not in vain, but on the contrary, I worked harder than any of the apostles. I blew them away because I was so active. But then he, he pulls it back. I want you to see, he pulls it back here. Though... This is where you see he's not bragging. He might have thought, uh-oh, maybe they misinterpret this, but watch. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. You see that? He says, I've worked harder than anybody. God's grace was not, I had trusted in Jesus Christ, radically changed my life. I worked harder than anybody, but wait a minute. It was not me, but the power in me. Watch the video. If you peel it to perfection. Don't compromise. Compromise is a language of the devil. Run in God's name and let the world stand back in wonder.
came to see a race today. See someone win. Happened to be me. But I want you to do more than just watch a race. I want you to take part in it. I want to compare faith to running in a race. It's hard. It requires concentration of will, energy of soul. You experience elation when the winner breaks the tape. Especially if you've got a bet on it. <laughs> but how long does that last? You go home. Maybe your dinner's burned. Maybe, maybe you haven't got a job. So who am I to say believe, have faith in the face of life's realities? I would like to give you something more permanent, but I can only point the way. I have no formula for winning the race. Everyone runs in her own way, or his own way. Then where does the power come from to see the race to its end? From within. Jesus said, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. If with all your hearts you truly seek me, you shall ever surely find me. If you commit yourself to the love of Christ, then that is how you run the straight race. Yeah, that was, uh, you remember that movie, right? Chariots of Fire. Eric Lytle, who was a famous runner. And you notice what Paul says here, though it was not I, but it was the grace of God that is in me. We run in combination with Christ. The gospel is within us. And the apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We do not run this race alone. We do not run it in isolation. We run it with Christ. We run it with others like are here today, and we run it with the grace of God which is in us. And Paul finishes by saying, whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let me remind us this morning that we have the good news. We have the good news. Grace has transformed us. And that motivates us as we live our lives. And we live in combination with grace and the gospel and others. And so we share that message with one another or with the world. So that the world can see the change in us. Let me close by saying this. Number one, God changes our lives. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Might I say this morning, by the grace of God, we are what we are because of God's grace. From this grace, secondly, from this grace, we serve him. 
If you're not serving in a church this morning, you're not serving in a ministry, I would encourage you to do so. Simply because the grace is so wonderful that you want to serve the one who loved you because you love him. And God's grace gives us power to sustain us in all circumstances. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me.